Welcome to the Formula None podcast, starting from P20. We are the very definition of a layman's point of view. If you want details <laughs> and correctness, don't come to us. <laughs> come to us for the for the pub chat, the uh, the the rumors, the gossip, the incorrect facts. We are that we are that podcast. That's what we're really selling us highly there, Nick. But you're also bang on the money. Yeah, bang on the money. That's the thing, isn't it? Bang on the money. We've just watched the Monaco Grand Prix. Well, I say just watch. We watched it last night. Uh, well, we less have than diff- 24 hours ago. Like, you know, we did just kind of watch it. Yeah, I actually watched it twice. So I watched it uh, in the morning before work. And then I watched it after work uh, with Patrick. And uh, there were some good reasons why I really wanted to pull it apart for the second time. Also, I mean, really, we were meant to watch it together. And I literally, like a kid at Christmas time, I could not help myself uh, I couldn't help but watch it. I'm too scared of getting spoiled. Uh, yeah. And also, yeah, I just, I just want to know. I just want to know what happens. I, I, yep. I love it so much. We had Do very different. More, you're scared of being spoiled, or you just want to watch? Because I think it's more of the first. Uh, right? I think it's more of the second. To be honest, I'm not oh, a patient okay. man. Cool. I am not a patient man, Patrick. And, okay. Uh, yeah, Noted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, if I, if I want something. I'll normally, you know, like I'll, if, if I'm going to buy something, I don't think about it. I just buy it. And much like yeah. the Formula One, I, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I want to do while I'm drinking my cup of tea and eating my toast in the morning is watch that Formula One race. And um, I don't see that ever changing, but I, but I, I, I love it enough that um, I'll just watch it a second time without, without an issue. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, and then I know stuff as well, you know, but... Um, yeah, I didn't true. You, have, you do have all the... It's like a live commentary on top of the existing commentary of all the stuff that happened after the race, which has now been resolved. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that reminds me, must not forget to discuss one of those things that happened after the race. Well, right, let's let's talk about it. So uh, let's start with qualifying, I think. You know, practice... Um, I actually did watch summer practice, which I, do, I don't normally get time to watch practice, but I do mostly because I love practice at Monaco because I love the way the cars build up. The speed throughout anyway we got to qualifying and by qualifying i think it was fairly well settled that the red bull uh was not the fastest car this weekend that it was definitely the yep. ferrari ferrari looked more looked looked better the red bull just didn't look quite as comfortable and that perez did look to be the faster of the two red bull drivers and Leclerc looked to be the faster of the two ferrari drivers and then behind it was either going to be mclaren or mercedes and um, well when i say mclaren one McLaren or Mercedes, uh, and it it really, yeah, the Mercedes didn't look great. And it, it, at times, I actually thought that they were going to end up like right back in the midfield. And in the end, they managed to sort of switch it on, but the car didn't look great. Um, yeah, the Ferraris were fast. The Ferraris were very fast all throughout it. I think from the beginning, uh, Daniel Ricciardo looked like he was in trouble and Norris looked like that McLaren was the third fastest car and then you had Daniel Ricciardo back in the mid-pack mm-hmm. somehow. I think this is probably a good point to talk about Daniel Ricciardo. Do, I can't remember if we did last race or not. We but kind I've, of mentioned him. I don't know if we dug deep into what's yeah. happening with him. but Well, I think he's in trouble. I, I genuinely think he's in trouble the number of points that he scored relative to Norris is, is really low. Uh, he has not looked fast at all, at any stage, no. really, has he has he looked fast in that car. It's much the same as last year, and if he hasn't got better with new cars and another year in the team, how do they justify... Like I said to you last night, and I stand by this, I think he's costing 
McLaren and the constructors. Now, having said that, I think they're so far behind Mercedes, maybe it doesn't matter anyway. But if there was another team closer behind them, or last year, I believe that Ricardo cost McLaren third place against Ferrari. Yeah. You know, and you're paying someone an awful lot of money to to not perform to the level that they would expect of him. Uh, I think there's an issue there. And, And actually, to be honest, the team and... Daniel himself had been fairly honest about those struggles. Everyone thought that he had a contract for next year. It now is starting to seem like maybe it's not quite as certain as that, but rumour that I heard is that actually he has the option on next year, not McLaren. So McLaren have to retain him for next year, but he has an option to leave. And I don't know, maybe he'll exercise it. Or maybe, you know, that environment is just not working for him. It's probably very ego-bruising. Um, yeah, and I'm starting to wonder about about here, here's my here's my theory. Daniel Ricciardo okay, next year on. will be driving a Haas. That's my theory. Oh, he'll replace yeah. Mick. Yes, I think so. Oh, I think so. That doesn't mean that Mick leaves. That's just my that's my thinking. I don't think there's any way that Haas give up Kevin Magnussen now. Yeah, and, no. Why, I mean, why would you? Yeah, and that's a silly idea. Yeah, so we're very early to start silly season, but I think uh, I don't see Daniel Ricciardo coming back from this. Uh, and Zach Brown has been making some noises about Colton Herter, who races in the IndyCar, and I think they are lining him up to fill that second McLaren seat. Oh. Now, I have for a long time said that I thought Gasly was going to take that second McLaren seat. Now, I'm not so sure. I just some of the noises I hear coming out, I think Colton Herter is going to be in that second seat of McLaren. If not next year, it will be the year after. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this is similar to how Vettel and Alonso are in teams. Because Ricardo doesn't have that knowledge that's valuable to the team. Like, he's not a tutor, he's a performer, right? That's what they hired him to do. Oh, that's a really good way of putting it. Yes, I agree with that. I'd never thought about it like that, but yeah, I, I would I would 100% agree with what you're saying. He's not there to teach or, you know, drag the team along. He, he isn't mm. that person. He is a performer, as you said, and he's not performing. So, yeah. Yeah, not off great. he goes. Yeah, yeah it, it's shame. rough. A yeah. big shame. I think the Ricardo that we saw in you know in the in the mid twenty tens was was even you know further than that was a very strong Ricardo and and he probably would have been a championship contender and for whatever reason this move to McLaren hasn't worked for for him or the team. No. I don't genuinely believe that he is multiple tenths of a second a lap off Norris. I just don't see that, especially considering how close he ran Verstappen. He's the only teammate that really ran Verstappen close at all. And I just think he's not gelling with the car. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. And again, he said I think that he's gelling really well with the team. It's just it's just it's not working for him. Very sad. In my mind. I think it's sad. I I was I mean, looking forward to yeah, that. To it's better. always better if they perform well, right? Like we would rather they, you know, were at the peak of their game, but you can't always yeah. be at the peak, so No. No. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so we uh, in qualifying, there was, uh, like I said, Ferrari looked very fast. I, I mean, it was it was pretty clear, and really Leclerc was the king of the streets uh, in my mind, and I think that, that, that Verstappen did not look as fast as Perez, really, through all the practice and most of qualifying. Yeah, Perez was, was gunning. Yeah, yeah, and then... Uh, we had a random red flag in Q2, which I never understood. So, oh yeah, yeah. 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 But, so what happened? Um, I think Sonoda like gently hit the wall, and there was a few bits of debris on the track. Yes, like a little dusting. 
Yeah, it was real yeah. weird, and they red flagged it. Really strange. We really thought strange. at the time because we we're watching this together that a marshal may have just hit the wrong button. Like, oh, that's right. Right? No, we thought I they literally that. just pressed the red flag button, and you can't uh, undo it. And now we're like, oh, well, I guess the session's red flagged. Yeah, once someone's pressed the button, you can't unpress the button. So yeah, which is good for safety. Like that's what it yeah, should do. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard um, after the event. Very strange. Anyway, um, I I think so. That was Q two, and then once we got into Q three, the real the real meat and bones of it. Qualifying is so critical in Monte Carlo. Um, we ended up with the clear just sitting a blistering Monte lap. Monte Carlo? Monaco? Monte- Are they the same thing? Monte Carlo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? Okay, what? cool. I learned yeah. something else today. Yeah, every day is a school day, Patrick. Every mm. day is a school day. So, yeah, um, you know. Leclerc he was fast. Yeah, sitting a blistering pace, just dancing the car around. It was, it was great to watch. And then... Uh, what happened? What happened was they all did their first runs, and in my head, I was thinking, you know, okay, first runs are done. In my mind, that's that's qualifying in Monaco done. Any lap you get after that, after your first run in Q3, is bonus time, and bonus time did not come because <laughs> Perez hit the wall. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, just at, before the tunnel, right? And Portier, then yeah. signs slid out into him because he just couldn't see. And it was so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Red flagged it. And that was, so that meant none of them got to set a second lap. And uh, let's think, who was it? Leclerc was already four tenths up on his already insanely fast pace. Yeah. Now, anyone else could have hit the wall. And it, it's easy to sit here and say, well, you know, um, you know, Verstappen was on a better lap and probably would have got ahead of Perez, but he could have hit the wall as well. Uh, it does happen a lot in the second quali- uh, second runs in the last qualifying at Monaco because drivers know that they've got less to lose and more to gain so they can you know they tend to push really really hard oh something sorry backtracking slightly importantly about the q2 red flag is how it affected the existing people on the track and then how the pit restart kicked gasly out that's right that's right that's Good important re- because yeah red flag pit lane start Everyone's going, but of course, everyone's trying to get some clean air at the front, so we're waiting. And there was, uh, I forget how long, it was like two minutes, I think? Yeah. And of course, if you're at the back of Everyone's the pit, spread out. And, yeah, yeah, then you're going to be the last out and you don't have time to get around. And Gasly was, he was like one second away from the line when the session ended. And so he didn't get to start his flying lap. So he was stuck in 13th. Yeah, and then and, three and people he, below him improved, and he just got knocked out, which was dreadful. He had been really quick as well. He'd um, been so like quick. He, he was up there with Norris in terms of pace. Um, yeah, bad luck. He, man, that guy has bad luck. Like honestly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, honestly, terrible yeah. luck. Yeah. His entire last year. Yeah, well, apart yeah. from um, oh no, the year before he won in Monaco. Yeah, which yeah. was good luck. It's like he used it all up in one go. Uh, not Monaco, um, Monza. Um, he used it all up in one go. Yeah, real interesting. And uh, so when it came to the second red flag, I think Hamilton was about a second away from crossing the line of his second lap, like to finish it when it got red flag mm. and his lap didn't count. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, and uh, another thing I've just got noted down here is the different, the the complete gulf between Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll is almost as glaring as Norris and Ricciardo. So Stroll went out in the first session and 
got on the radio and screamed in the radio. Oh yeah, P eighteen. Yeah, not at his team. He just screamed no, like just yeah, frustration. Yeah. yeah, and then and then Sebastian Vettel got into P eight, I think, yeah. and was like, woohoo! You know, like he was so happy. Um, real contrast so is- there. Using the, the tutor and performer analogy, it's odd because Vettel is both the tutor and performer for that team. Yeah, yeah. Like Stroll is not performing and he's being tutored. And yeah. It's like another Mazepin, I think. Uh, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. But... He's not that bad, but you know what I mean? Like he's not doing well in the team. And if you replace him with somebody else, you'd see what the car could do. Just like K-Mag and Haas. Yeah, I don't see him getting replaced. I just don't. Well, Unless... I mean, his dad owns it. Yeah, unless his dad gives up the team. He's not getting replaced. That's that's just the way it is. Uh, yeah, and the other thing I've got here to note is that I just think, you know, Hamilton has been unlucky. He got unlucky mm, again yeah. with the red flags and stuff like that. Um, he had looked faster than Russell fr- through most of the weekend when it really counted, and then he ended up a, a couple of places behind. Um, and really, I was thinking about that. I was like, man, he's unlucky. I was like, man, he's been unlucky this year. To be honest, he's been unlucky since the last race of 2021 when, you know, whatever we say about the rules, it was pretty rough how it worked out yep. for him. Luck or no luck, you know, and, and like I, I think I said at the time, I feel like things balance out, uh, you know, luck over the season. He had some rough luck in that in that race at the end there, and that's continued. It, he really has not had the rub of the green when it comes to, you know, things going your way or not going your way. Yeah. They're always tipping on the not going his way this year. Well, he can go and cry in all his millions and seven world championships. Yeah, yeah, I guess he can. Yeah. No, still, I mean, it's still bad. It's not yeah. like, yeah, he has it's, been unlucky. It's important to consider when looking at the Hamilton versus Russell debate, because uh, if you just looked at the points, uh, I think you'd say, you know, wow, one of those drivers is doing amazingly better than the other one. And he is in the points, but I don't think necessarily he is performance-wise. He's not He's not 30% better or have many more points he has, you know, no, than Hamilton. Yeah. It's, just, um, it's just the way things have gone so far this year. So let's... Flick over to race day. Yeah. It rained. Wet. Yep. Yeah, it Wet rained start. like very close to the start of race. Now, we did not sit and watch through the hour-long non-start of the race, but my understanding is this. The race didn't start. No one got told why. It just didn't start. So there was no clear communication on why the race didn't start. And it was wet. It was very wet. I, I honestly, I feel like they're leaning too far towards the safety side of things. And, you know, other, I think Martin Brundle said maybe, you know, these drivers accept the risk of getting into the car. You know, why? I just don't get it. I don't get it. They left it way too long. I don't think it was good for the spectacle. Do you think it's because it's Monaco, though? Because it is a street track. It is already quite dangerous. So adding water on top of that doesn't make a lot of sense i know there's yeah. accepted risk but extending the risk further well, well here's the thing i think is that the fact that the drivers at the back put on the intermediate straight away and were faster so the drivers at the back yeah pitted. true good indication so, that it's safe yeah. so they did a safety car lap eventually and actually the race had been starting for seven minutes before they actually moved out of the pit lane i don't know what happened there but that cost us another maybe six laps of racing Mm. maybe five laps of racing at the end of the race because the race got timed in the end it didn't make it to the end of the laps and when they did so if you start behind the safety car you have to have four wet tires on that's the rule now the drivers who were at the back immediately 
put on their intermediate tyres because they once they did a lap, the race had started, they could change their tyres, and they were con- comfortably faster than the wet tyres. So they waited so long that the wet tyre was no longer the faster tyre. That tells me that they waited too long. Then why do you even have the wet tyre? Like, what's the point in the wet tyre if you wait so long to start the race that the intermediate tyre is the better tyre? That's a very good point. And I actually was reading today that Sebastian Vettel kind of rubbished the wet tyre and said it's not good enough. So it's it's too hard, so it doesn't warm up enough. And I think we kind of saw at the beginning of the race that everyone... So they, they didn't do a grid start. They did a safety car start, which you were very upset about. And I kind of agree as well that, again, like they waited that long. They could have done it. But then when we saw them go down the straight the first time, there was so much spray that it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe I see why that happened. But they were very slow to sort of get up to speed every, Everyone was like super ginger, you know, like tiptoeing around. And apparently that is because the the wet tires are just not good. Sebastian Vettel just said they are a bad tire, the wet tires. So it'd be interesting to see if Pirelli can make some changes to that. Yeah, I wonder if they can. Well, I'm sure they can. It's whether they have any interest well, in doing yeah, so or yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, you know, wet tyres, I think, are, are notoriously difficult to make. I remember back when there was Bridgestone and Michelin. Uh, Bridgestone had a good wet tyre and a very good intermediate tyre. Michelin had a pretty good wet tyre and a garbage intermediate tyre. And uh-huh. as soon as the track went to intermediate conditions, the Bridgestone runners would just be like miles off in the distance. So yep. it's obviously a bit of a, a bit of a fine art. But really, so what happened was Leclerc led away from Science with... Uh, Perez and Verstappen third and fourth um, sort of business as usual in the back as you expect it's, it's Monaco there's not much overtaking and Leclerc really just drove away from the field mm-hmm. what what made the race was Gasly I think on his intermediate tyres passing people and showing in clear air how fast they were and at a certain point it got clear that you were either going there was either going to be two options one of which was to change intermediates now or the other one was to stay on the wets because the track was drying out quite quickly and just do the one stop onto slicks. Yeah. Now, I just I heard Jolian Palmer on the BBC F1 podcast talking about this. Really interesting, his a- analysis of where Ferrari went wrong here is that basically they missed the window to go onto intermediates, which is fair enough because you're the lead cars. You don't want to take that risk, right? So Red no. Bull could take afford to take that risk, and they they went onto the intermediates with Perez. Once Perez closed within the pit stop window of Leclerc, which he did do quite quickly on his intermediates because they were faster than the wets, Ferrari had the an option to go to intermediates. Should have had that option taken away from them. Because all they were going to do is come out behind Perez. But for yes. some reason, they stopped Leclerc and put him behind Perez at a track that is the most position-sensitive track. You know, you it's all about track position. And I was wondering, like, why did they do that? And the conclusion that I came to is that they were more worried about Verstappen than Perez. So they were, they were playing the game against Verstappen oh. instead of Perez, and they accidentally ended up putting Leclerc behind Perez. So... By that point, Leclerc's race was lost. Science was out front, and I think Jolien Palmer said, Ferrari then tried to ruin Science's race, and he resisted them. <laughs> so they kept trying to tell mm. him to come into the pits or intermediates, and he was like, he very early on he said, we're staying out until we go on slicks. 
And then they told him to come in again. He was like, yeah. no, 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 I don't want to do that. I want to stay out. And they were like, <laughs> box, box. And then they were like, change your minds. So he stayed out. So he was in the better position because he had not pitted and he was going to wait until he went on slicks. In the end, yes. they brought him in and they brought Leclerc in for some odd reason on the same lap. So Leclerc had to queue up behind Science. Science came out and just, just did not get ahead of Perez. Now, my understanding is that he got actually got held up by a back marker for most of his lap and so did Leclerc. So we did not see that on TV. But he, oh no, no, we didn't. We did and not see that. And they were considerably held up. Um, I think Science said he lost two seconds on that lap. Now, one of those cars wow. I found out after found out this after the race was Alex Albon, who was on I think slick tires at that point, and decided he was going to ignore the blue flags because he felt like he was faster because he was on slicks, and he didn't get out of the way. He did not get a penalty for that. What? That seems like it's against the really weird. The whole the whole Quite race badly. was really what? weird. <laughs> The end result was Ferrari messed up the strategy when Perez pitted for intermediates and then got within that pit window. That's when Ferrari should have made the call to leave both the cars out and wait for slicks. And instead, for God knows what reason, they they took Leclerc out of the race lead. And I think Science might have just snatched the race lead had that not been for the back marker. But in the event, we ended up with Perez in the lead. Yeah. Now, he actually stopped before Verstappen for intermediates as well. And, uh, and, you know, I was sort of challenged at that time of, you know, well, Red Bull are just testing the waters, you know, they're sending him out of Max's way. And I actually felt like he got the superior strategy on the day. He yeah, did from because that. it was, it yeah. was better to be on intermediates. Martin Brown has this thing. I brought it up before in this podcast. He says at all times be on the right tire. So that be means on right be tire. on the right tire yeah. for the condition because you'll very quickly make up the time, the time loss. And I think Perez slash Red Bull played a master stroke and Ferrari were found wanting just, but they were found wanting. And from there, it was Perez's race to lose. Yeah. After that, Mick Schumacher hit the wall. Oh, yes. Yes, I forgot that. I don't know how that was, I did. That looked really big. And when they first showed that, it was engine and gearbox and rear wing separated from the car. And I was like, oh, mm. man, that's bad. And then they panned right out so you couldn't see the car anymore. And I was like, oh, no, no, this isn't good. That's really end, bad. he was yeah. on the radio real quick to his team. He was like, I'm fine. I just don't understand what happened. And it was just the way the car hit the wall. It kind of like plucked it off. When it, when it hit the wall, it yeah. really lost a lot of speed by that point. And that's just the car dissipating energy. So no no real yeah. issue there. We're used to seeing them hang on. So it doesn't look right. But I think that's the way it kind of works now. Yeah. I mean, if the car's broken and he's safe, that's a good exactly. car. Exactly. And the energy has to go somewhere. Yeah. And that's how it, it dissipates the it does. energy. So we had another red flag. We were behind the safety car for a few laps. And then they decided to red flag it. I, yeah. Again, weird. Just safety car and then a red flag. I don't think... Like, why not red flag it immediately? Yeah. It looked... Yeah. Well, they couldn't fix the barrier. I guess yeah, the barrier... It's tech what... pro barrier. Yeah. They could fix it, but it took them a while, and they obviously decided it was easier to red flag. Again, I've seen someone point out on mm. Twitter, and I absolutely agree with this. If Formula One's going to be using the red flag all the time, which they seem much more keen to do, fair enough, safety. We need a faster restart procedure. You can't be red flagging the race, and then it, they have to give a 10 minutes notice to start again. That's silly. That's silly. It's true. You know, they don't yes. put fuel in the cars. They don't do anything like that. They just, they go again. So, yeah, I think they need to really, really tighten up on that procedure because, again, we, we're losing time in the race. In an already timed race. 
Yeah, exactly. So once the race starts, you have a maximum of two hours to complete the race. As I as I discussed, that came about from a, a race in I think two thousand eleven in Canada. Is it that Canada, f- yeah, four, four hours and forty minutes or something like that. Gee. Um, and they and they changed it. it. Was test match special kind of stuff. Anyway, in the intervening period, the cars all changed onto slicks, and the order obviously didn't change. They decided to do a rolling start again yes. instead of a yeah. grid start, which is the normal Why? procedure. I don't know. I don't yep. know. And and they said it was dry, uh, but then they didn't turn the DRS on either. So I don't I don't know. They said conditions are dry, but they did a rolling start and didn't put the DRS on. I don't I don't understand it. There's no there's no real reason or logic behind that. The only thing I can think of is that it's a new race director. I actually want to talk about that a little bit once we're done talking sure. about the race. So what we saw was this bizarre thing where you had Oh, also, an intervening period, we haven't mentioned Russell in all this. In the switch from uh, wet to dry tyres, Russell got ahead of Norris. Now, he did that by doing the science thing, and he didn't actually pit for inters. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He he managed to get ahead um, of of Norris uh, with well-played, but well-played strategy, I think, because I think what well, I felt like, potentially, the McLaren was faster. Maybe that didn't kind of bear out in the race, but well, they were very even on pace, and Norris was ahead. Anyway, we ended up with six cars out front, so the two Red Bulls, two Ferraris, so weird. one McLaren, and one Mercedes. Then Alonso, whose team told him, take it easy, was he was on medium tyres with a lot of laps to go, and at Monaco you can't pass. So he was driving like two seconds or so, a lap, yeah, a lap off the pace. Off the pace, yeah. yeah and just holding the entire rest of the field up behind him, <sighs> including Hamilton, who was like, man, why is this guy going so slow? And they're like, well, he's been told to manage his pace. So he did that, and you got this, there's a glorious picture floating around of the track map with the mm. little dots on it half for cars. And half And they are like half <laughs> in one. And this is only like 10 laps or so after the red flag. They're like split halfway across the racetrack. It's, it's amazing. perfect, yeah. Anyway, after a while... Alonso decides to just get on with it, and yep, just he just up, drops Hamilton. He yep. <laughs> so he goes, it's about, and, and never offers any good explanation to what he was doing, other than protecting his tyres, which he did a good job of. And my theory was, he knew he wasn't going to pass Norris, so may as well protect the tyres. He had to ensure that he didn't lose any more positions, yeah, yeah. which might have happened if he'd cooked his tyres. So he just decided to hold off until he had enough left in his tyres to get to the end of the race, and then he just went for it again. Yep. Really, really strange. And Hamilton could not get past him. Oh, and Hamilton knock-on had had a coming together as well. Yeah. Resulted knock-on getting a five-second penalty. So I think in the end, the team actually came on the radio to Alonso and said, hey, because you're back to everyone up, Alonso's five-second penalty is going to cost him places. Yeah, because he can't get ahead five seconds of the yeah, previous Yeah, so that's when Alonso dropped it. Yeah. But even then, he couldn't make up the pace because everyone just sped up together yeah right? so yeah. everyone sped up together and then uh, and then hamilton appeared to slow down or i don't know if he's so down or his tires were a bit cooked as well Hard to sell. he ended up holding up this is my conspiracy theory for the weekend go on ended up holding up ocon so ocon lost his places so yeah, i don't know if it was deliberate was after the coming together if it's deliberate it's a great play Pu- yeah. like excellent psychological warfare um i hope it was deliberate because it's bloody awesome if it is but yeah, he basically backed up the rest of the field again to Ocon and Ocon mm-hmm. didn't get in the points. So yeah, we ended up with a really close race at the end, you know, um, Perez, I think the top four were all within two seconds Yeah. Uh, and Sainz tried to get past Perez, almost dropped it at one stage, I can't remember when that was on the main straight, like ended up almost like it felt like he was pointing 90 degrees at the wall and saved mm. it. Oh, and so did, um, uh, who was it? 
Oh, when you show. Yeah, Guan Yu Zhou did like yeah. a full on slide yeah, halfway like around. Fully sideways. He was in trying to towards overtake. Towards the villainy of Shikane, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was trying to overtake and he closed up a bit faster and he thought got sideways and then he Man, came on the crazy. radio and said, I'm gonna need some new pants after that, which yeah. I thought was pretty funny. So yeah, end of it. Perez won the race. Very emotional yeah. win for him. You know, I, I said to you that I think Monaco is the drive as the race that everybody, every driver wants to win. Yes. You know, it's probably either their home race and then Monaco or Monaco, or Monaco yeah. and then their home race yeah. are the other two that they really want to win. So it was great for him to see. Becomes the most successful ever Mexican Formula 1 driver with the third win there, beating, yeah. um, I think it's Pedro Rodriguez who raced in the late 60s, early 70s. Won two races. And well, what did I say at the time? How must it feel having been Perez, having been nowhere two years ago, looking like he was out when, you know, when Racing Point were turning into whatever they are, Force... Aston Wait, Martin. Force Point India? Yeah, yeah into, whatever they yeah, were. Point. Yeah, yes. and they booted him out to make way for uh, Sebastian Vettel while keeping Stroll. You know, he looked like he was out F1 to being a three-time waiter and a pole sitter. And he is only, I think, like 14 points away from the championship lead. Really? He is very close. That's he is crazy. Almost, yeah. He's he's within I think six points of, I think it's six points away or five points away or something from mm. from Leclerc, and then fourteen points. I think it's fourteen behind Verstappen. It also feels like just desserts, given that he was asked to give it up last time. Yeah, though I don't I don't think he was going to win that race anyway. But it probably feels really bloody good for him. Oh yeah, and you'd feel yeah. vindicated. Yeah, right. the only way he was going to win this race is he was lucky that science was between himself and Verstappen. Oh, I for sure. Think, if it was just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, although having said that, I don't know if the team would have asked him to swap. I don't think they would have. I think that was a different circumstance in Spain. I don't okay. think they would have asked to swap him. Yeah. Mm. Those final 10 minutes in Monaco were the most exciting of the race for me, I will yeah, say. Yeah, you did, you did not love it, did you? I did not love it. I, yeah, I know it's a classic race, but because it was so, like the qualifying was amazing. I love the qualifying. And then I love the final 10 minutes of the race when it's possible things could go wrong. And the intervening time was just interesting, small tidbits, I guess, of like, you know, Mick crashing, so when you sliding, Alonso going slow, the fight between Ocon and Hamilton, Hamilton and Ocon. So those are small things, but not the race as a whole. That's yeah. my, yeah. I, 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 you know, I voiced my trepidation in the you last did. podcast when you said you were so excited. This is what I was concerned about. It's not for to everyone to love. I mean, qualifying, uh, you have to consider qualifying being part of the race and how important it is, mm. I think. But yeah, I understand it. You know, it has its own, it has its jeopardy. That's the thing with Monaco is it has a lot of jeopardy in terms of one mistake is, and you're can, out. Be, it can be, yeah. it, and it can flip the race on its head. But conversely, you can be a lot slower and no one can pass you, aka Alonso. Yeah. is absolute, he is, he is a meme king. <laughs> yeah. He really is. I said last weekend that, or last race that I thought this was a Ferrari win. They they blew it. It, they it did. should have been a Ferrari one too, and they managed to blow it. And I'm not sure about the next couple of races. I think Red Bull are going to be quite strong again. It's a bit hard to say, but yeah. So just briefly, I just want to touch on the race direction. What's your what's your racing out of ten so far this year for race direction? What do you mean race direction? Race direction, the red flags, the safety cars, the the all that stuff. The race, ah. the FIA's enforcement of the regulations during a race weekend. Like seven, I think. Seven, seven. That I feel like that's like generous. seven being good. 
Well, yeah, I'm thinking they've been quite consistent in it. Like, I, I kind of know what to expect from each race, and they're keeping, I think, a pretty good handle on being consistent with violations and like track limits and deleting times and such. Why you think they're much less? Yeah, I, I don't think it's been good at all. I think. Oh, okay. Go yeah, on. I, I did not understand the the race taking so long to start. I didn't understand the behind the safety car for so long in the red flag. I didn't understand the red flag in qualifying. I didn't understand why a lapsed car got to hold up one of the leaders for an entire lap and didn't get a penalty. Mm. And then Ocon got a penalty for an event that maybe we didn't see. I'm not entirely sure with Hamilton. Uh, but the one we did see wasn't penalty worthy in my view. I just, I don't think they've been fast enough to react to certain situations. And yeah, I, I really, th- to be honest, what it really proves is just what an amazing job that Charlie Whiting did. Because I think that Massey had his, definitely had his poor points as well. But I, I actually feel like it's generally taken a step backwards this time. Now, if you take the racing side out of it, you know, a lot of people got very boiled up about the racing between Verstappen and Hamilton last year. If you take yeah. that out of it, I think generally I felt like Messi was doing okay. A couple of things here and there. I don't know. I, I'm not enjoying it. I'm gonna, I, I'd give it a five. I'd give it a five. And I think they're not doing that well. To be perfectly honest. Do you think it's just because they're new though? So we, I think we mentioned this because Massey had a bit steep learning curve, right? Like there's yeah. heaps of regulations. He was one guy. Now at least there are two of them. So it's a shared responsibility, but equally they are new. Yeah. And hopefully they'll just learn and get better as they go. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt, but I, I stand by, you know, the fact that I don't think it's been great so far. Fair enough. Right. Let's move on to the next bit of the podcast. I don't know what's coming. You've got some stuff hidden here. Are we doing data or are we going to do question time again? Because I enjoyed question time last weekend. So we're repeating that again. Last weekend, last podcast, whatever. Uh, Well, let's do data then because it might be less enjoyable. But I think it's still going to be good. Oh, I love data. Oh, okay, cool. Well, so what I've done this week, um, I've only compared the first three races because I didn't get my script working in time to do some comparisons across the year. But the idea is, I'm going to ask you, Nick, who do you think the top three drivers are? in terms of the sum gained places between their qualifying position and their race position. So if you started in P5 in quali, sorry, on the grid, yeah, I, and you I ended in you. P4, it's one position. So who do you think has the most places gained over the first three three races? The first three? So that's Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and Australia. I'm going to say Gasly is one of them. No. Oh. Uh... Try another one. Sebastian Vettel? No. Oh, for God's sake. Alonso? No. No, no he's been qualifying well and, and not finishing races. Ocon? Nope. What? Yep. <laughs> I've just yep. about named the whole field. So, the person who's gained the most is Zhou Guan Yu. Okay, that makes he sense because he's been qualifying poorly. 16 positions, yes. Yep. The next one, joint oh, second, is K-Mag. Alex and Alex Albon? No, Yuki Tsunoda. Uh. Yeah, and wow. then after that is my boy George Russell with nine. And that's just incremental increases from him from qualifying upwards. Now but that it's... Russell stat is, um, is pretty amazing because he's been qualifying quite well. Yeah, he's been consistently working his way up. To be fair, Hamilton is on eight, so he's only one behind Russell in the first three races. Right. But I did want to ask you how I calculate these because I have been just ignoring DNFs. So if you DNF, I don't count that as a lost position. But then should I just throw away the race? I don't know what's fairest to the driver. Because either you could lose all your quali- like your starting position, but I'm just saying there's no change. 
So are you saying that you come up, like, I don't know, let's say you start at the back and you get to the front and then you DNF, you're yep. calling that 20 positions regardless of DNF? No, I'm calling that zero. You did nothing that race. Yeah, well, that's fair because I think cool. you should take it from race start to race end, right? Yep, cool. I agree. And if you DNF, then you're finishing in 20th place or whatever, you know, like, you, yeah. Okay, Harsh. and then the, the flip. Because you're not calling it overtakes, right? You're calling no. it qualifying Positions. position to race finishing position. Yes. Yeah, which is, yeah. which is different, yeah. Um, the flip is, and you'll you'll get this probably in one, is who are the drivers who've lost the most places? Lost the most? Mm-hmm. You say I'll get this in one, but I don't know about that. Oh, Fernando Alonso. He's, yeah, he's on zero. Yeah. Yep. He has a sum of zero. So he has a net zero. Yes. Basically. Which is actually kind of, it's quite cool. It means he's that, he's that consistent. Yeah. It, I mean, he's also had a lot of DNFs, hasn't he? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. But, there you go wow that is interesting and i i look forward to hearing how this evolves mm, well i hope well next time i'll have the entire year and that'll be a little bit different right cool awesome i like to hear it right do you want to do a question do you want to answer a question or do you want to ask a question uh i'll ask a question okay you go okay uh lando norris do you get flashbacks every time you go into pit and change out of wet tires? No, I don't. The reason that I don't is I didn't make that mistake. The team did. <laughs> You're absolved of all guilt? I've, I'm absolved from all guilt. The team made that mistake, not me. And uh, I know I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty likable guy, but I'm a racing driver. And uh, yeah, I, it couldn't be me. I mean, how could I have made that mistake? I didn't know what I was doing. The team told me to come in. And I mean, they should have told me to come in. Uh, yeah, next question. Oh, very good, Lando. Thank you. <laughs> no responsibility at all to his actions. No, okay. Yeah, you stuck with that. Actually, uh, I, I'm imagining that the real Lando gives a very different answer to that. Yeah, um, I can imagine it be quite stressful. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't imagine any driver gets flashback. Ooh, you'd be nervous, though, wouldn't you? You'd be nervous. You would. You would. I would if I was driving and I'd had what happened in Sochi, I would be so keen just to switch tires as soon as possible. Yeah. Like you've learned, you've learned your lesson, even yeah. though it's a risk. Like, yeah. Fun- fundamentally, I would imagine that they had a pretty good chat after that race, the team and, mm. and, um, and Norris, and I don't think they would be making that mistake again. Having said that, Charles Leclerc, I think some time ago, three years or so ago, had an issue with in qualifying in can't remember where it was and the team decided not to send him out again in q1 and he was like oh, i want to go out and they were like no 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 and he was like okay and then he went out he, he didn't make it through and he should have and he said afterwards oh, i'm going to learn to be more forceful with the team yeah and then this weekend he was not more forceful with the team because they oh, told him to pit twice yeah. and dumb and where a science had been like no 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 i'm not doing that just quietly i think science had a very impressive weekend very impressive hmm yeah I'm I'm glad he didn't crash or anything. Yeah, sorry, I should say a very impressive race because I think he was comprehensively out outpaced by Leclerc. Well, comprehensively, but yeah, he was a reasonable amount behind. Yeah. And uh but in the race he did great. Yeah, yeah, he did great. He did great. All right, what have you got for me? Are you ready? I, I hope so. Okay. You are Toto Wolf, uh, one of our favourite topics. You're gonna oh, be Toto Wolf perfect. this time. Right. You have just replaced Russell with Lance Stroll. Effective immediately justify for me why you've done it uh okay two reasons the first is cronyism applied to russell and i as you may know he sent me an email 
some people think that this workforce should be an equal opportunities place and you can't just weasel your way in with emails. I agree with that and I'm changing my ways. So Russell has to go. <laughs> and the second is money. Uh, you might not know this, but Mercedes doesn't make as much money as we'd like to. And I'm getting a handsome payout from Papa Stroll to hire his son. And that's different to cronyism because that's just capitalism. Uh, Toto, what, are you changing the name of your team? Uh, what, to, to a Stroll-based team? I don't not know, sure. I'm just asking. No, I think that would be that would be too much of a sellout. So no, we'll be sticking with Mercedes. Too much of a sellout. Yep. <laughs> You've replaced George Russell with Lance Stroll, and you're telling me this is too much of a sellout to replace. What can I say? Though. Ethics are hard sometimes, <laughs> Mister Interviewer. <laughs> All right. Well done. I I thought that would be harder for you to. Answer. I bet you're crying a little bit inside. Oh, uh, um, as Patrick, I am as Toto. I understand money. Money's king. Yeah, I thought of this like two weeks ago and I was like, oh, I'm really going to get Patrick. I'm going to get him in the in the soul with this one. All right, <laughs> I've, the... got, I've All right. got one more question for you. Okay. Okay. Alonzo, what did you remember that made you speed up? I actually remembered that I don't really like racing cars and <laughs> I just do it for the memes. So if I was taking longer, I was going to have to do one more lap on the timer and I just, I just remembered that I didn't want to be doing it any more laps than I had to, you know, I, I can't make memes in my car. They won't let me take my phone. You know, the FIA is banning jewelry. You don't know that they have already banned cell phones in the car. And mm. I, mm. I can't make memes uh, or make fun of people on Twitter on my phone or Instagram. So, yeah, I, I really just, I had to get on with it. And uh, I, I was, and I did successfully, you know, and. and okay. okay. Thank you for your kind response. No worries. Alonso. Hmm. Alonso is like the king, and I did not do a good job of really uh, showing this. He is the king of talking himself up, and oh, like we mentioned this last year, though, like he had a fairly normal race, and he was bigging himself up afterwards. Like, yeah, I did. That was one of the best races, man. Watch for me. He's so good. Yeah. I love it. I love it because it's just Alonso. It's just who he is, you know, like he, mm. you, you can't, you don't expect any different. He is the king of like, yeah, everything Alonso does is great. And, you know, like performance wise, he's pretty hard to fault, to be honest. Like yeah. you can't really, um, he is, he is possibly one of the drivers who I would look at in history. And I would say deserves, had the talent to have more world championships than what he did. Wow. Didn't play the smart game, and this is where we've talked about this before. It's not just about being fast. Look at Hamilton. He made the mm. blinder of a decision to go to Mercedes. Mm. It was a very smart decision, and he is now a seven-time world champion, whereas, you know, if he'd stayed at McLaren, he might just still be a, a one-time world champion. That's true. Yeah, uh, it, it makes all the difference in the world. You can have all the talent if you maybe upset the wrong people or whatever or make the wrong team choices at all. It'll, It'll get cost you. Yeah. It'll get you. Right. Well, on that note, it is time to shut this podcast down. Now, if you want to get in touch with us, you can contact us on Twitter at Formula None Pod. You can email us at whatever the email address is, Patrick. Contact at FormulaNone.co.nz. Yeah. And you can actually, uh, you can get me on Twitter as well at Vegetable Man with two N's. If you, uh, if you want to bother me, if you have a question for question time or you want to give us some feedback, good or bad, we would... We would gratefully receive it. Well, Patrick, I think it's time to call it a day. Agree. Uh, what's next? What have we got? Baku. Baku. Yeah, that's it. Azerbaijan. Mm. Azerbaijan. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Awesome. Looking forward to that one. I think that should be a good race. And then just a week after that, we have the Canadian Grand Prix, which I am very excited about. Looking forward to it. Lots of 
lots still to happen this championship. So it much. Is, there is, yep, there is nothing decided by any stretch of the imagination. Who is going to be in the lead of the championship in at the end of the Canadian Grand Prix, Patrick? Are you asking to predict? Yeah. Uh, we're going to flip again. We're going to go to Leclerc. He's going to come back. Okay. Jeez, a gambler, a gambler would say Perez because I think he's so close. Oh, wow. Okay, well, um, note it down. Let's see. I, do, I don't believe that. I think I think Leclerc. I think Leclerc as well. I think, oh, Verstappen, cool. I think Verstappen's going to have another DNF in one of the next two races. Mm. And and Leclerc will take the lead once again. I, I also think Ferrari will be strong. I think the track will suit them enough. Well, you right. heard it here first, folks. Indeed. On that note, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll catch you next time here on Formula None.